if you saw the commotion just a minute ago, we had someone that passed out. Um, Nancy Holliday, it's Jackie Roper's daughter. Um, someone said they think that she's diabetic, not sure, but um, we have emergency um, medical personnel out there. And so would you join me in praying right now that God would just watch over her? Lord God, I come to you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, asking you to be with Nancy. I ask you, Father, whatever is going on in her body physically, you, the great physician, will touch her and bring healing to her. Father, I pray that you will be with Jackie and give her your peace that passes our ability to understand. Lord, I ask you to be with each and every person who is involved in providing care for Nancy. I pray that you will give them your wisdom to provide the care that she needs. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are days on our calendar that we as Americans remember each and every year. There are days that are important to us. There are days that remind us of what has happened in our past. Days like Independence Day, Memorial Day, Veterans Day. These days remind us of what it took for us to have the freedom that we have today. And these days remind us that we should never forget what it took so that we can have the freedom that we have today. The Hebrews have days like that too. And one of the days that the Hebrews, the Israelites, the Jews, celebrate each and every day is the day that we're going to focus on this morning. It's the day that death passed over them. Now, if you have a copy of God's Word, I want you to turn with me this morning to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 11. Now, if you haven't been here for the last several weeks, we have been walking through the book of Exodus. And as we began our journey, we discovered that God's people, the Hebrews, had gotten comfortable in Egypt, even though Egypt was not their home. And it reminds us that all too often, we as the people of God, we as Christians, get comfortable in this fallen world, even though God has something better for us. But over time, Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, enslaved the Hebrews. And he wanted to destroy the Hebrews. And that reminds us that the ruler of this world, Satan, wants to enslave us. And he wants to destroy us. But the people of God cried out to God, and God heard their prayers. And God raised up a deliverer. But that deliverer felt unworthy. That deliverer felt like he was not gifted and equipped enough to do the task that God had called him to do. But over time, he eventually responded to God and was obedient to God. And I believe all too often today, we as Christians forget that God has a call on each and every one of our lives. Regardless of who we are, regardless of what our spiritual gifts may be, God has called us and God will equip us to be a part of his redemptive plan for the world. But here's the problem. Oftentimes, and I would dare say most of the time, we feel like we are unworthy. We feel like we are ill-equipped to do the things that God has called us to do. 
But we need to understand that God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. And when God calls us to do something, God will equip us to do what he called us to do. And so Moses responded to the call of God. Now you would think that because Moses responded and was obedient, everything would go well, but it didn't. When Moses went before Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, and said, God told me to tell you, let my people go, Pharaoh laughed at him. And he said, I will never let the Hebrews go. And that's what happens to us today, isn't it? All too often we think that if God has called us to do something and we are obedient to do what God has called us to do, that it will be easy. But it's not easy. Many times we face difficulties and we face hardships and, and we face oppositions and we have struggles and we have to keep on pressing on. And so God, through a series of plagues, warned Pharaoh ten times to let his people go. But every time, Pharaoh would harden his heart. So God brought more plagues and he brought more disasters on Pharaoh. And yet, over and over again, Pharaoh continued to be stubborn and he refused to listen to God. Finally, God told Moses that I am going to deliver one final blow. I am going to bring one final plague against Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And when I bring this final plague, then he will let my people go. The firstborn of every single thing and every single person in Egypt is going to die. But I am going to make a distinction between the people of Egypt and my people. And then God told Moses what the people of God were supposed to do. He said, the Hebrews are to take a lamb, a one-year-old lamb that is without spot, that has no blemishes, and that lamb is to be sacrificed, and that lamb is to be eaten. And then the blood of that lamb is to be placed on the doorpost of every person's home. And when death comes to visit the land of Egypt, death will pass over the homes that the blood is covering. And so the Israelites did exactly what Moses, what God had told them to do. When the time came, they sacrificed a lamb. They ate, they ate that lamb. They took the blood from that lamb and they brushed it on the sides and on the top of their door. And that night, when the angel of death came through, death passed them by and God delivered them. Now what is it that we can learn from this story that, that applies to us today more than simply remembering this incredible story in Israel's history? Well, there are three things that I think that each and every one of us need to understand. The first one is this, the judgment of sin. You see, sin and disobedience always brings God's judgment. Pharaoh and the people of Egypt had been given opportunity after opportunity to submit and obey God, and yet each and every time they refused. There were times when Pharaoh would acknowledge that he had sinned. 
There were times when Pharaoh said with his mouth, I will obey God, I will submit to God, I will do what God has told me to do. Just take the plague away. And God would take the plague away, and as soon as the plague was gone, as soon as the pain was gone, Pharaoh would forget his promise to God, and he would again harden his heart to God. Isn't that so much like many of us today? I mean, we tell God, just like Pharaoh, leave me alone. God, you can't tell me what to do. And then God begins to, to put this pain on us. And we cry out to God and we ask God to take the pain away, to take the hurt away, to do something for us. And God does. God intervenes. God answers our cry, and as soon as he does, what do we do? We harden our heart to God again, and we tell God to get out of our life. We tell God to leave us alone. The truth is many of us are just like Pharaoh today. We want God to leave us alone until we need him, and then when he helps us, we ask him to leave us alone again. And I want you to listen to me. Hear my heart. When we do that, that is a sign that our heart has not been regenerated. Our heart has not been changed. We can admit our sin like Pharaoh did multiple times. We can tell God that we are going to be obedient to him. We're going to submit to him just like Pharaoh did. And many of us do. And yet, it's not our acknowledging our sin it's not our telling God that we're going to do what he tells us to do. It's whether we do it or not that shows whether our heart has been changed or whether we are still living with a stubborn, rebellious heart. So God warned Pharaoh over and over again until God finally said, okay, this is it. This time you will, listen, I'm going to bring death on you. Not destruction, not pestilence, not pain. I'm going to bring death upon each and every one of your homes. Now listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 11. Moses had answered to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says, At midnight tonight I will pass through the heart of Egypt. All the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt, from the oldest son of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the oldest son of his lowliest servant girl who grinds the flour. Even the firstborn of all the livestock will die. Then a loud wail will rise throughout the land of Egypt, a wail like no one has heard before or will ever hear again. Later on in Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, it says this, On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and will strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. So, so what's the truth here that God is trying to teach? Here's the truth. Sin brings death. It always has and it always will. From the very beginning of time, our sin, our rebellion, our disobedience brings death. When God created the first man and the first woman, he gave them one command, only one command. He said, do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
if you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will die. One command, you break it, you will die. Well, you know the story. Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. They rebelled against God, and they brought sin and death into the human race. And so each and every one of us today experience death because each and every one of us experience sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. In James chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Now notice what it says in this passage. It says that death is the final plague. Judgment had already come upon the land of Egypt. Over and over again, God brought judgment. He turned the, the water of the Nile River into blood. He brought these flies that covered the land, gnats to cover the land. He brought a pestilence on the livestock. He rained down hail and lightning from heaven. He had darkness cover the land. All of these plagues, all of this judgment, but death was the final judgment. And you see, death is the final judgment today. Our sin always brings judgment. There's, there's judgment that each and every one of us face because of our sinful choices. Loneliness. Loneliness is oftentimes the result of our sinful choices. Bankruptcy and poverty. Though not everyone who is living in poverty today is living in poverty because of sinful choices. Hear me. Look at me. Many people today are living in poverty because of sinful choices. Painful physical problems. Many of the painful physical problems we face today, we have today, that people are struggling with, are the results of sinful choices in the past. You see, our sin brings judgment in a variety of ways, but the final judgment that sin brings is death. Now, when we think about death, we think about physical death, don't we? Sin brings physical death, the separation of the, of the body from the soul. We, we cease to exist as as, as we know it today. But may I say to you, listen to me. If that's all that death were, was, then death wouldn't be that bad. I mean, if death was simply ceasing to exist, we close our eyes, that's it, there's nothing else, then death really wouldn't be that bad because we wouldn't even know, would we? I mean, if, if you die and that's it, what's the big deal? You're not around to experience anything, right? I mean, come on. But that's not death. That's just the physical aspect of death. You see, there's an eternal aspect of death. Separation from God. The Bible says this is the second death. And the second death is a horrific death. Death is the final plague, but death is also the universal plague. I want you to notice what it says. It says that every single home in Egypt experienced death. From Pharaoh's house 
to the lowliest of servants that ground the meal in Pharaoh's home, to the most wicked of the, the um, 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 criminals that were in the prison. Death affected every single person. And we need to understand that death affects each and every one of us. I know that other people are hearing this wind that's coming through here. We're going to try to do something about it. I think there's a fan blowing right here. If we can turn this fan, this fan feels really good to me. But this fan is blowing into my mic. Can y'all hear that rumbling? Yes, no, you can't? Well, if you can't hear it, then let the wind blow where it may. Dear Jesus, please. You see, regardless of our age, regardless of our race, regardless of anything and everything, death affects us. The wages of sin is death. And the Bible says all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says there is none righteous. Sin brings judgment. And sin brings death. And death is a universal judgment. And death is the final judgment. Now, and here's what you need to understand. This is the crazy thing. You see, it wasn't just the Egyptians who were under the sentence of death. The Hebrews were also under the sentence of death. Every single person was under the sentence of death. When the death angel came through, every single home would be affected. You see, some of us have this idea. We're sitting here in church this morning, and we look around, and we see people who aren't here in church, and we go, we are the good ones. We're the ones that are going to make it. We're the holy ones. But what we need to understand is there's no one good. There's no one righteous. There's no one holy. And the only way the Israelites, the only way the Hebrews were delivered from death was the grace of God. Hear me. It wasn't that God said, these people are good, these people are bad. I'm going to judge these people. I'm going to spare these people because they're good people. No, everyone deserved death. It was only through the grace of God that death didn't visit each and every one of them. And that takes us to the second truth here, the sacrifice of the lamb. You see, God provided a way that would protect them from death. When death came knocking at their door, it was a sacrifice. Now listen to what it says. Beginning in, in chapter 12, verse 2, it says, From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat with no defects, Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Then the whole animal or the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. In chapter 12, verse 21, it says, Then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, Go, pick out a lamb or young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. These instructions were given twice in chapter 12. God gave them Moses first. 
And then God gave them to the people. Well, Moses gave them to the people. Each family was to take a one-year-old lamb without blemish, without defect. And they were to sacrifice that lamb. And then they were to eat that lamb. And then they were to take the blood of that lamb and brush it on their door. And when they did, death would pass them by. And when they did, the next morning, every home, every Egyptian home, every Hebrew home experienced a death. The only question was, was it the death of a child, a firstborn son, or was it the death of a lamb, a substitute? For the firstborn son. You see, every home experienced death. Some experienced the death of a child. Some experienced the death of a lamb. But every home experienced death. Death came visiting. And a payment had to be made. And that's how it's always been. It's always been that way. Sin brings death. And when death comes through, everybody must pay the price or a substitute must be made. And so God created this system where the people would always remember that it was only through the Passover lamb that death passed them by. And every year they would remember this. Every year they would sacrifice a Passover lamb. But this isn't the only time that they would sacrifice. You see, on the Day of Atonement, which was another big day in the Hebrews' history, the high priest would sacrifice a lamb, a perfect lamb, to cover the sins of all the people. And on this day, they would take a goat, and they would take the blood from the lamb, and they would, they would symbolically take the, the sins of the people, put it on the goat, and, and then they would, they would take the goat outside of the community and, and send the goat into the wilderness with the sins of the people on it. And these days, these holidays were remembered by the Hebrews so they, they would never forget that a sacrifice had to be made for their sins to be covered, for death to be defeated. And every year, they would make sacrifices. But someone said this. They said the sacrificial system was good, kind of like a shower. But the only thing is, a shower doesn't last. You have to do it over and over and over if you want to stay clean. And the sacrificial system doesn't last. And that's why they had to make sacrifices over and over and over again every year. And every year they were reminded that they were sinful people. And the wages of sin is death. And the only covering for their sin was the sacrifice of this pure, spotless lamb. But then Jesus came. And John the Baptist told us that Jesus was the Lamb of God. Jesus was the Passover lamb. In John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Listen to what that says. You see, the lambs that were sacrificed each and every year at Passover on the Day of Atonement, they covered the sins for a season, but they didn't take away the sin. They couldn't take away the sin. But Jesus came. 
And what did Jesus do? Jesus took away the sins of the world. Jesus is our Passover Lamb. In 1 Peter chapter 1, it says this, For you know that Christ paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Listen, Jesus Christ came to this earth and was sacrificed on a cross the once and forever payment for our sins not to cover our sins for a season but to take them away you see we are all under the judgment because of sin and the judgment we are under is death, not just physical death, but eternal death, separation from God forever. But Jesus, the Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. His blood has been poured out so that our sins can be taken away. The judgment for our sin the sacrifice of the lamb, but there's a, a third thing here that's important. And, and if we miss this truth, we miss the truth of God's word. And that's this, the application of the blood. You see, the sacrifice would do no good unless the blood was applied to the doorpost. Don't miss this. The animal could be sacrificed. The lamb could be eaten. But if the blood was not applied to the doorpost, then when the angel of death came, death came to that house. It was only when the blood was applied to the home that death passed over. Listen to what it says in Exodus 12 verse 13. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you were staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land. In verses 22 and 23, it says, Drain the blood into a basin. Then take a bundle of hyssop branches, dip it into the blood, brush the hyssop across the top and the sides of the door frames of your houses, and no one may go out through the door until morning. For the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and the sides of the door frames, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. You see, the sacrifice lamb will only save when his blood is applied to our lives. That's important. The sacrifice of the lamb will not save until his blood is applied to your life. Jesus died for everybody. Jesus was the sacrifice for the sins of the world. But he will only save you 
When his blood is applied to your life, when you receive him, when you accept him, when you acknowledge him, when you identify with him by allowing his blood to cover your life. Has his blood covered your life? Has his blood changed you? I mean, the blood of Jesus is our only hope. Now, here's the thing. You remember last week we talked about how when, when the Israelites left Egypt, a multitude of other people went with the Israelites out of Egypt. A multitude. A number of Egyptians left Egypt and went with the Israelites. So what about them? Could they be covered by the blood as well? Well, yeah. You see, later on, it tells us that any foreigner in the land who has gone with Israel into the promised land can celebrate Passover with them if they are in a covenant relationship with God. And in the Old Testament, a covenant relationship was, was, was celebrated, was signified by circumcision. And so anyone who had entered into that covenant relationship and had shown it through circumcision could celebrate Passover with the people of God. They were a part of the family of God. You see, God is no respecter of persons. God receives each and every one of us into his family the same way, regardless of who we are. So what does this say to us today? Several things. One, we are all under the judgment of sin, and the judgment of sin is death. And our only hope is the sacrifice of the Lamb, the Lamb of God, Jesus, who takes away the sin of the world. But just because Jesus died for you doesn't mean you're going to be saved. His blood has to be applied to your life. You have to receive Him, accept Him, choose Him as your Savior. And when you do that, he will change your life. He will make you a brand new person. Your desire will be to live for him and serve him. So my question for you this morning is, are you under the blood? Have you trusted the blood of the Savior to save you? Have you given your life to him? Have you entered into a covenant relationship with him? In the New Testament, the way that we show that According to Acts 2, is through baptism. It says, repent and be baptized because of the forgiveness of your sins. Just as there was a way that the Old Testament people entered into that covenant relationship once it had been established, there is a way for us today. And that's through baptism. Baptism is a big deal. It doesn't save, but it is a clear sign that we are a part of the family of God. And then, when we become a part of the family of God, we remember what he's done. We remember through taking the bread, taking the wine, and remembering the sacrifice of the Lamb of God that was slain for our sins. So where are you this morning? Are you a part of the family of God? If you're here and you're not, I want to challenge you this morning to humble yourself before God. Give your life to him. Trust Jesus, the Lamb of God, to save you. Let his blood change your life. If you're here and you are a believer, live for him. There was another feast 
that was initiated at this same time. It was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It lasted seven days. They had no leaven in their bread, no yeast in their bread at that time. And the New Testament tells us that that yeast was a sign of sin. The Feast of Unleavened Bread was reminding the people that they were to live holy and righteous lives, just as we're called as followers of Jesus to live holy and righteous lives. And maybe you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, but sin has crept back into your life. Let me encourage you to confess that sin get right with Jesus. We're going to have a time of invitation in just a minute. Before we do, I'm going to pray. And if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that. And then as we sing, our altar is going to be open. Our pastors are going to be down front to talk with anybody who needs to, to talk and pray. But then on each side, there are two tables. There's a table with the bread and the wine, the juice. And if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, you've committed your life to Jesus, then we want to encourage you this morning to come to the table, take the juice, take the bread, and thank Jesus, the Lamb of God, for the sacrifice he made for you. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. And if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, then I want to encourage you this morning to give your life to Jesus by praying this prayer. Dear God, I come to you this morning. Humbly asking you to forgive all my sins. I know I'm a sinner. I know I failed you. I'm so sorry. Jesus, from this moment on, I want to live for you. I want to serve you. And I know I can never do that on my own. Jesus, I know that you came to this earth. You died on the cross. You rose from the grave to pay for my sins. You shed your blood. So that my sins could be taken away. Jesus, today I'm trusting you. I'm giving my life to you. Come into my heart. Take control. From this moment on, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Amen.